This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought about space in my cramped apartment, but in this house, all I see is empty space. The sofa and ottoman look like tiny islands in a sea of hardwood floors. I could get two ottomans in the living room, but then I'd need another sofa. I could tell people I'm into minimalism. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes out to iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It They take care of everything, distribution, they help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. For fans, by fans. Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. All right, I'm not even going to play the whole theme song now because we've got a lot to get to tonight, and this is a different type of episode because uh, this is an episode that I would I think we've got about 12 different people on this episode. The Orioles haven't done anything all, all off season. They make one move today, and suddenly everyone wants to talk about this. So I am Josh Soroka. I am joined by my co-host, Matt Soroka. Matt, how are you doing today? Just fine, just fine, Josh. Thanks. Uh, you, how do you like being in the other seat? How do you how do you well, like being the guy who's sitting there waiting to be interviewed, waiting I for like, their name to be introduced? I like how you're calling a bunch of guests and you're gonna be getting all these takes. And it's it sounds like Manny Machado just signed an extension for ten years. You're so excited talking to everybody, and we signed Andrew Kashner. So, but but yeah. desperate times, desperate it's, times, de- desperate times, long, 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 quiet off season. At least we're not all celebrating the Jonathan Scope uh, uh, arbitration, you know? It's something. Has he, made a, he, has he made an appearance in spring training yet? I'm still looking for him to answer that question for me. Right, right. So I'm assuming that everyone who's listening to this already knows today. If not, you're under a rock if we just broke the news to you that Andrew Kashner uh, signed with the Orioles for two years, $16 million. Uh, came out today, I think like two thirty today. So we're ta- we're recording close to ten o'clock. Matt, you've had many hours to think about this. Do you yeah. like Do you like this move? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> what What do you think about it? I like this move. I okay. right, I'm a little I'm a little tainted. I'm a little tainted because a yeah. friend of Section three thirty six texted me today this evening. Yeah. Out of the blue and said, "Hey Josh, I like the move the Orioles made for Cashner." This guy's a bulldog. Mm. And I, I, I said, you know what? I, I really like that take. 
this is a guy I trust when when you wanted to find a bulldog pitcher for the Orioles. Yeah. And I uh, I said, you know, any chance you want to come on the show and talk about this? He said, it probably wouldn't be good to do it tonight. But that would be uh, Mr. Mr. Bud, Mr. Bud Norris. Okay, Bud Norris. Of the St. Louis Cardinals. Right. He likes the deal. If you When you think of bulldog pitchers for the Orioles, Bud Norris is the most recent guy I think of yeah. that I can trust. So that, that gives me a little bit of positive. Um, I like the price tag. I think when you're looking at the, the price of baseball players right now, I think this is a good deal as far as the price. So that doesn't scare me or concern me. Uh, what are your thoughts, Matt? You gotta, you've had a bunch of people on, on, on the show. Well, I'm going to have a bunch. Yeah, yeah I'm you're going to have, have a bunch. bunch. And so, so I want to get a, a vibe. What percentage do you think of people that, that you, you talk to are for it or against it? Like, well, what, what percentage, Joe, how, how, how are the people feeling about this? Well, see, Before I'm, I comment. I made a I made a point to at the beginning play the little sounder for fans by fans because today is the exact example of that. Yeah. Because yeah. we really did have a bunch of Oriole fans on who and everyone that we had on is doing their blog or their podcast because they love baseball, because they want to see the Orioles succeed. Um I we we're gonna have on Glenn Clark, uh RDT from Barstool, Andrew Stecka from Utah Street Report. Uh, Derek Arnold from Utah Street Report, Alex Woodward from The Other Guys in 105.7, Ryan Blake. Uh, we've got Scott Magnus from Bird's Eye View on here, your your enemy. Yeah. Well, I, you know, and I saw them out there tweeting that they were, going, they were coming on the show, and I was like, am I going to be invited to come on Section 336? Right. Like, is this, am I going to be part of this too? Or well, um, And I appreciate you including me in this, Josh. You know, it's the, only my show. The, the, advantage, the, really, the advantage of having a studio in my house, I realized yeah. I can do this whenever I want. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to start doing more 336 minis on my own without you guys. And then I realized everyone wants to talk about this. So I just listed some of the guys. We still have Fred from Birdland BS coming on. Uh, uh, Brian from Maryland Sports Blog. Justin McGuire from the Baseball by the Book podcast. Oh, you got him on? Cool. Uh, cool. Matt, Matt from Camden Depot. I mean, you name it. We've, oh, you got everyone. We've got, we got everyone. You got everyone. We got uh, everyone Dan, on today. Dan Clark? Uh, no, he, he's, he's blocked us. You know what? Hey, I still follow I'm, him. I, I could have asked him. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure everyone that I've listed on the show tonight has been blocked by Dan Clark. Yeah. Hey, um, so, so here's my – before my thoughts get drowned out by all those other more intelligent thoughts. Yeah, let's get into here, here's, it. Here's my take. Depending on how you want me to do this, I feel fully comfortable arguing that this was a bad move and just as comfortable arguing that this was a really good move to, for, for the Orioles. So if, right. you want to, if you want to talk to me, so if I'm trying to convince you it's a good move, I can talk to you about last year, his 3.40 ERA, which ranked 21st in baseball. Put him right there between Carlos Carrasco and Justin Verlander in ERA. Pretty good numbers. But I could argue in the same breath or the other side of my mouth, I could say his <laughs> FIP was 4.61, and he's projected – by steamer to have an ERA of about five for for this coming season, so, and I could also like argue positively that he pitched 166 innings last year, which would put him second in our rotation behind Dylan Bundy. But I could argue the other way. The year before that, he threw 132 innings, and he's never been like a 200 inning guy. So the, there's the, the negative on that side too. I could argue in positive that he still throws hard, like he's still hitting in the mid 90s. So that's still a good thing. I could argue in the negative. That did a little nerd talk here. His perceived velocity 
is 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 a lot lower than his actual velocity. So something with his lineup, the uh, or his windup where he releases the baseball. Right, you can see it, it earlier. Yeah, it looks a mile and a half slower than it actually is. So that's a little bit. Concerning. Which which is which is weird that that's a stat. Yeah, like like the yeah. eye test of a fastball. Yeah, I think he just needs to like reach his arm closer to the plate when he pitches, and that'll go down. I don't know. The and then there's the uh, on the positive side. I could argue his ground ball rate is forty eight percent. Like this is great. He has a great ground ball rate. He throws a lot of strikes. I could argue the other side, though, that if you want to look at uh, percentages here, his strikeout percentage went from he struck out 7.7 guys two years ago per nine innings to last year dropped over three strikeouts per nine innings to last year he only struck out 4.6 guys per per nine innings. And this league, we, 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 I mean, this is a league that loves strikeouts, and his strikeouts were down big time last year, which is a red flag. Positively, I could tell you that his war last year was 4.6 B-war. 4.6 was his war. The next highest war for pitchers on our team was Dylan Bundy with 2.6. So he was two points higher in war last year. Uh, of course, on the other side of that is the 3.4 ERA. It was lucky, and he didn't really have it. I, I could argue on the positive side, he has one of the best beards you'll ever see. On the negative side... When he comes to Baltimore, he'll probably have to cut that beard. Oh, he'll so have again, to cut it. Argue. That's a big negative. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and of course, I mean, all in all, like, you can argue however you want. I'll say this. If you talk about floor and ceiling uh, in terms of starting pitchers, his ceiling, I think, is that 3.4 ERA. He probably won't be there again next year. That's, like, the best possible outcome. Probably won't happen. But his floor, how terrible it'll be, he won't be worse than like a five and a half ERA, which is still really bad. But if you compare that floor to a Mike Wright floor or Gabriel Noah floor, which could be like seven or eight or nine runs a game, I mean, he certainly is an upgrade over Mike Wright and Gabriel Noah and Al Gasher. And, and you mentioned the price. The price seems right. This year coming up, he's going to be making five million bucks this coming year. Five million bucks this year. That's what he's making. And there's a bunch of incentives, which I think this is actually this is exactly how you need to do a deal with with a guy like uh, Kashner. There's a bunch of incentives, so he could be making more money. Uh, but his base salary this coming year is five million, which is nothing. I mean, he's he's taking significant pay cut from last year to play for the Orioles. So for all those reasons, I'm not jumping up and down excited about it. And I still think the Orioles need to do some some moves. But all in all, I think it's a, a nice move. Anyone who doesn't like the move, like I don't know who, uh, what these people will say when they come on the show, but anyone who says this is a bad move is an idiot. It's not. There's no <laughs> scenario where this is a bad move, right? Like you might think they still need to do some stuff, and I agree. But our team is better. Our starting rotation is better now than it was 12 hours ago. Like Kashner is better than Mike Wright. You cannot argue the other way. So you have to look at this as a good signing, especially because the money involved. Um, so all in all, I'm, I'm I'm pleased with it. I think we still have more work to be done, but I'm I'm happy with with the signing. All right, you're concerned about people's thoughts and how people are going to take this. So let's get to the interviews now, and then we okay. can recap at the end with you. All right. First guy I got on the phone was Glenn Clark, and of course, the recording screwed up for the first part. So here we are in our just in the middle of our conversation uh, with Glenn's thoughts on Kashner. He's not a guy that can give you some innings and, and gut you through. And spending two years and $16 million on that type of guy is basically that's, – that's almost a bargain, right? Like those pitchers in the last few years have cost you more like $12 million to just give you innings and, and average pitching. So 
If you can just get that much for $8 million, then okay, sure, that's a win. If he pitches well, yeah, it's going to cost you a little bit more, but that's a good thing to have him pitch well. It, it just comes back to, did this really give you an opportunity to compete in the American League East? I, there's no picture where you can paint that Andrew Kashner alone gives the Baltimore Orioles any opportunity to compete in the American League East uh, when you think about how top-heavy it is, the Yankees and the Red Sox. So, you know, I, I, I just keep coming back to sort of like an indifference, where it's, yes, it's fine, all good, Andrew Kashner, thumbs up, but did it really change anything? No. And are the problems that faced the Orioles yesterday still mostly all the same problems that faced the Orioles today? Yeah, absolutely. All right, Glenn. Well, I know this news came out today after your show, so you're, I'm sure you're going to get into it a lot more in depth tomorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah, as, we'll as be all over can, it. As long as you can focus Drew for a little bit. Yeah, oh, God, don't remind me. Okay. Jesus, I had a second where I forgot that was happening tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I, I, honestly, the only thing that I'm really concerned about is kicking your guys' asses and uh, curling next Saturday. So, oh, you know, the priority is for me. You know, I curling's a sport that I don't think I'll be mad if I lose at because it's not oh, like I oh. even know if there's any talent. But I'm pretty sure oh, we got this down. It. Oh, stop it. You I know, see what you're doing now. Have, have you, I see what you're doing now. You're already making excuses. You're already doing the bit where you're not you really going to try. Uh-uh, Sroka. You guys are going down next you know, Saturday. You know, you're going I ran this, down. I ran this past uh, Matt and Burt this past week, and I found out that not only has Matt been to this, this Eastern ice rink that we're going to, he's gone there and watched curling. I don't well, know why. But has why. he ever done it? Well, no, but he doesn't need okay. to. No, no. He's watched. We've watched All as right. much on TV as he watched in person. Okay, well, that's really weird that you would go somewhere and watch curling. Like, right, exactly. He was just watching like at he was just watching random dudes curl. I think he said he was there for a hockey game and there were guys curling, so he was checking it out. And you know, he's he's getting psyched up, getting ready to uh, beat you guys in in two weeks. Week you can forget it. You can forget about that. Did, you did, can forget about that. Did, You're going down. Did you find not going to happen? Uh, I got I got my boys. We're going to take care of business. Ottenheimer's getting drunk, I think, on the ride down there. So I think Good. we got I, I hope that he's your captain then. Is that or Skip yeah, or whatever right. the guy is yelling commands? <laughs> yeah, that's Skip, right? Yeah, he's gonna be there. Left, left. Right. That's what we're gonna be doing the entire time. All right, Glenn. Then I'm marking you down as a positive for Kashner as I try to take a poll All tonight. Right. So because I think sure. you're positive about Kashner, but you admit like everyone else, there's way bigger problems with the Orioles and the AL East than a pitcher. Yeah. No doubt. Okay. No doubt. Then one. Then one, you know, again, they follow this up with, then you know, if all of a sudden oh, yeah. next week the rotation is Cobb. these guys plus Lance Lynn or Alex Cobb, um, you know, what, what, I'll reserve the right to have a conversation about it then. Yeah, sure. You bring in Cobb, you bring in Moustakis, so we don't have to talk about Beckham at third, and it's a whole different conversation. Correct. Correct. But as of right now, it's just a guy, and it's fine. It's a fine move. Somebody had to be the number three starter. This is better than um, – you know, Mike Ryder, Gabriel, and Noah. Yeah, exactly. All right, thank you, Glenn. See you, All right, it's Ryan Blake's turn to talk about Kashner. Uh, if you've probably seen Ryan Blake write on Utah Street or some other sites. Uh, not doing that right now, but if you're on Twitter, you're seeing he's you're always active on Twitter, Ryan. Uh, what's your thoughts yeah. on on this whole Kashner situation? You positive? You negative? How are you taking this? Um, as it's it's tough because as much as I want to be positive about it, I feel like it's you know the move we made with Cashner, you know, two years, sixteen million, I think it is, has the potential to be up to what three for forty-one. Is that right with incentives? Uh, not for I don't think it's forty-one. 
Isn't it like oh yeah, forty one because yes, the third year. Sure, sure. If you tie it all yeah, in, yeah, yeah, only if he, you know if he maxes out on everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, um, let's let's, yeah, I mean, let's not assume he's going to max everything out and be that amazing. Let's right. stick with the two year sixteen. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's the kind of move you make when you're trying to fill out your rotation. You know, for a fourth or fifth starter. Um, I think you know it's not a bad signing. He's got some uh, some positives about him. He's got a good ground ball rate that I think will translate well. Um, and he had a decent year last year. I mean, results-wise, you know, some of the peripher- peripherals won't aren't, weren't, um, you know, maybe what you would hope. But I mean, I think for a team that only has two serviceable starting pitchers at the moment, adding Cashner as a third is not a bad move. Um, but I certainly think there's, you know, still a lot more work to be done. We can't see this Cashner deal as someone who's going to solve our problem. You know, we have to add. Exactly. More guys, I think. Exactly. And you're you're doing the same thing we're all doing where we're it's a positive move in a bubble all by itself, but you look at the whole off season and you're like, that's not good enough. Exactly. You know, the fact that we waited until the middle of February when pitchers and catchers have already reported to, you know, add the third piece to our five man rotation. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you got guys you can fill in, you know, you look at Gabriel Yanoa and Alec Asher and you know, even Miguel Castro, possibly. You never know. I mean, we're going to have a five-man rotation to start the year, I would think. Right. The it's wait- just the fact that, you know, we waited till this long to add our third real solid kind of guy. See, I'm not worried. The waiting doesn't bother me because Dan Duquette started this waiting game a few years ago, and this season everyone has done it. And so I don't have a problem because there's still really good pitchers out there who have not been signed yet. So – and. And we look back at this year in a few years, and we'll say, well, Cashner got signed before Arietta, before uh, uh, Cobb, before Lynn. So there's still good guys out there. So the timing doesn't bother me as much as I hope this isn't the only thing they do. But I want to try to keep right. the podcast in this bubble of, of Cashner. And how do you think – I mean, $16 million for two years is a perfectly fine – price and it's a probably a good deal for a pitcher who's gonna be in your rotation yeah i would have to agree i mean especially if he pitches anything like he did in what i think 2015 he had a solid year um last year he was like i said results wise he was he was there you know his era i think was like ninth in the american league um so a guy like that in the al east hopefully you know will translate pretty well um and he's a guy that those have had their eye on for a few years now um it, this isn't the first time we've been connected to him um, there have been discussions. It feels like every trade deadline for the past decade, we've been like, oh, maybe Andrew Kashner's a possibility. Yeah, yeah he's, um, he's a good so, you know, guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think he fits our style. You know, a lot of people have compared him to Giovanni Gallardo, um, which I think is an acceptable comparison, although, you know, fortunately we didn't have to give up a first-round pick to sign Kashner. But, um, I mean, yeah, and it's in its own bubble looking at, you know, discarding the the state of the rest of the team. I like the addition, especially at the price. I got to be honest about that. Yeah, sure. Um, right. And that's not exactly like you were saying. It's not a surprise. If we were to name six pitchers that the Orioles uh, could have gotten this off season, we would have had this guy in our list of top six guys that we thought were likely. I'm sure there's, Easily. I'm sure there's some people who tweeted out this guy back in September and are now retweeting that look, I called this sign-in by the Orioles. Um, yeah. But are you concerned that his strikeouts have gone down and he's more of a contact hitter? Um, 
yes, I am. Um, I think his strikeouts have gone down. Um, his walks have gone up from, from what I saw. I just took a brief glance at his fan gust page a little bit ago. Um, but, yeah, his strikeouts are definitely down. His velocity has been down a bit. Um, and we've we've been in this position before where it's like, well, if he, pitch, if he pitches like he did a few years ago, he'll be all right. You know, we were in that position with Ubaldo. We were in that position with, you know, Tillman after his first half in 2013 was real good. He was an all-star. We're like, if he can, you know, go back to that, we'll be fine. And then he put up an ERA of like 7.84 last year. Um, so it's it's one of those things where it's it's real hit or miss. I think he's um, he's got potential to do what he's done in the past, but I, I'm 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 frustrated in the sense that that's what we've been relying on when we've signed guys like that. Right, right. Uh, all right, Ryan. Thanks for sharing your thoughts with us for a few minutes. Where can people follow you on Twitter and keep up with what you're doing? Um, my Twitter is at RyeGuyBlake. Um, that's where I've been doing most of my stuff. Um, I'm trying to get back in the writing game. We'll see. I've been worried about my job at, you know, in school at the time being. Um, but I'm also active on uh, at OriolesFanProb. We continue going through and talking about Kashner. Let's talk to RDT from Barstool. RDT, how are you doing? And how are your good, thoughts? Good. I mean, come on. The Orioles finally made a move. We've been asking for a pitcher since September. Well, really. You know how many times I had to check Rock's tweet today to make sure that it was, like, real, you know, that it was actually him, that it was actual person, that it wasn't, like, he wasn't hacked or anything? Because I was like, you know, I was like, there's, there's no way. You know, the right. Orioles finally signed someone? Exactly. I mean, for the first for the first uh, two, three months of the offseason, I checked Twitter, like, every hour looking for a pitcher then especially mm -hmm. during the winter meetings i was like twitter was just left on my computer scrolling through waiting for a pitcher i mean they finally did something and it's cashner what do you think yeah what do you think of this cashner deal well see number one here's here's what i started doing before the winter meetings i put the tweet notifications on for like buster olney um ken rosenthal rock you know um and cena and all those guys so that way, you know, I never miss because I was like, I remember during the Trumbo thing, like last year, I, was like, I don't want to miss. I can't miss, you know, if they resign them. So now it's just like they're all texting me their private information. That's, That's what I consider it. I got to figure yeah. out how to do that. Now, were they? Yeah. Oh, now, yeah. Would, would you get those notifications every time they tweeted or only if they mentioned that, Orioles? That's the only thing. Yeah. No, it's every time they tweet. <laughs> so every time Rock's out on a date with his girlfriend, I get a picture of what they're eating. But it, like I said, I feel like I'm friends because I'm like, oh, look at Rock. He's having, you know, the filet tonight <laughs> right. or something like that. But, right. That's but all, it's that's definitely, all... you, you got you got to pick and choose, you know, your baseball writers. Because right. I know, like, Buster only retweets a lot of a lot of other articles and stuff like that that I don't really care about. So, right. um, so, but that, I mean, so that's how I get the, all my information. Right. So you're the Dan Clark of, of, of nah, Easy, easy. <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm I sure, hope I'm not. I, I, you know, I'm blocked. I can't say what he said today. But I'm pretty sure that he got the Kashner trade win before anyone else. Well, didn't he have Ryan Flaherty resigning with the Orioles? Oh, yeah. Shoot, I, I, I thought he had that, and right. then he deleted it for some reason. He, he, I don't he know just why. Throws, he just throws stuff out there and, and hopes that he's right. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? You know. He can make the same predictions we all. If we all tweeted yep. out six pitchers in September that we thought the Orioles were going to sign, one of those would have been Kashner. So we, yeah, and then and then you just delete the other five, and it makes it look right. like oh, I called this back in September. Exactly, and then you retweet the one. I mean, that's yep. that's how you become a a Twitter <laughs> troll. But all right, pretty <laughs> much. Right. Let's talk about some Americans. Let's talk about Kashner. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, you want to talk about American, that beard, it's, it's going to have to go bye-bye. But, yeah, I know, I mean, that's the sad they, part. Yeah, that, that's what I'm kind of upset about. But, um, I mean, I, I like it. I, don't, I, don't, I definitely don't hate it. I know some people are comparing it to Gallardo, um, and I'm not really sure why. I don't really think they're the same guy. Um, I do know that the Cashner, I mean, he, he didn't strike out a ton, at least last year he didn't. Um, I think he was under 5Ks per nine. So he's not going to blow you away. You know, he's not going to do the, the Dylan Bundy stuff that we need or that we have. But, I mean, it's a cheap deal. You know, they have it kind of cut up in deferred money. I saw they're paying him like $3 million from 2020 to 2022. And then right. next year I think he gets five or something like that. So, it, I mean, it's not, you know, it's not a bad contract money-wise. If he stinks this year, you know, it's not like the, the Orioles can't get rid of him if they need to. I don't know why they would need to. I don't, you know, it's not like they're going to have a starter who stinks so bad in this rotation that you just can't stand having him. But, um, I mean, you know, like everyone's been talking about, it. he went 500 last year with the Rangers, but his, his you know, under 3.5 ERA, his whip is around 13 or, you know, 1.3. So, I mean, he's not, he's not going to blow anyone away this year, but I, I think he's going to be serviceable. I, I'm definitely excited to see what he brings. And like I said, I mean, why not have Dylan Bundy and Gossman learn from a guy like this? He's bounced around. He's been, you know, he was a big prospect and then he got traded in the Rizzo trade and then he kind of flamed out and he's got some good years. I, I, I hate, you know, wins and losses and it's, you know, it's not that important of a stat, I think, but someone's talking about how he's only had, you know, one year above 500 uh, in his career. And I, I, that doesn't scare me. I mean, his ERA is fluctuated a little bit, but said if he can, he pitched, he started 28 games for the Rangers last year. If he can keep his ERA right around where it was 3.4 last year, and Texas is kind of similar to Baltimore with their, you know, the weather gets hot and the ball flies out of there. Exactly. It's not the smallest ballpark. So that's what intrigues I, I, me not, is Texas mm-hmm. is a hitter's ballpark. And he only, oh, yeah, he only gave up 13 home runs last year. Yeah, I saw that. I was looking at Which that too. doesn't um, seem right. That's one of those stats I looked at multiple times. And I'm like, well, if he's a ground ball pitcher, I kind of trust our defense even with them screwing around with third base. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm fine with that. Like you said, um, he doesn't give up a ton of home runs, which you know, should, which which is dope. So, um, and like you said, that's that's going to play in Camden Yards, right? But and and I, I looked at it. He's he's 166 innings in in 28 starts. It was like 5.9 innings, you know, per outing. I'll take that any day, especially yeah. after you know the the stuff that we saw last year. I'm I'm fine with that. Yes. Um, and I know he had a bunch of options in his in his contract. I think if he pitches like. Yeah. 200 or 340 innings in his next two years, then, you know, some, some clause kicks in. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited for him. I think, I don't know if excited is the right word. I'm not, you know, I didn't jump up today and, Oh, I got to buy this game because Cashner will probably pitch and I'm not going to go out and buy a Jersey, but I think it's, you know, he's a living, breathing person who can throw a ball and his name isn't Obaldo Jimenez. So I'm fine with it. It's, 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 it was also a necessary move, you know, I mean, yeah, still got two more holes to fix. Right, it's what the Orioles needed. They didn't overpay for a pitch-in. And mm-hmm. as much as we don't want to admit it, in the AL East, there might be bigger issues than pitching. So to have a, a pitcher come in and not blow your payroll up uh, seems like the right move for the Orioles. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's perfect. Um, you know, it's not – Yeah, they're not going to be hand, um, you know, handcuffed by this deal, and they're not going to be looking back on it like we did with the Baldo going, oh, you know, well, this this deal, you know, really brought them down and, and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with it. Now I think they need to go out and, you know, sign Chris Tillman, who's like probably living in the parking lot of the, uh, the spring training facility, 
from, you know, how, how close I've heard that he lives there. Um, and, you know, and then, and then sign someone else. I think they, they can't go into camp with just five guys. Everyone has Castro kind of penciled in. And I think, I don't know if he'll start out the year, you know, starting, but I'm sure, you know, by, by the end of June, we'll see it. But I don't know if that's the best idea to have him just kind of ready to go right now. I would rather them bring in Tillman and then another guy and then eventually kind of, you know, move, move that older guy out. And, and, and that's when you can move Castro. And let's face it. I mean, it's not like this team is going to, you know, they're not going to be beaten down the wall for, for, you know, the division lead or the wild card um, spot or anything like that. So, uh, you know, why, why not see what some of these older guys can do and, and then hand it off to the young guys. I agree. And you're right. I, assume Tillman's just going to be an Oriole. In fact, I went a whole day yesterday believing that Tillman was an Oriole, and that happened to be that <laughs> I dreamed about my Twitter feed, apparently, <laughs> um, because he is. They say he's fishing every day in that little lake there. And exactly, yeah. It, it, there's no way Tillman, like, people were shocked that Flaherty left. No one cares, really. If Tillman signs with hey, a different team, hey, I will be surprised. I, I cared that Flaherty left. Uh, yeah, so did you. Well, uh, so did, I, I, liked, I liked him. He's a good guy. Yeah, all right. I agree with that, but I wasn't shocked and angry. No, no. All this. Um, All right, RDT, I'm I'm over on – I just pulled up Barstool DMV. It's been a while since Mm -hmm. I've gone there. I don't see any sports stuff on this page. What's going on? Are you going to write something up about Cashner soon? Yeah, yeah. I figure, you know, I'll probably type something up tonight or tomorrow and put something out there. you know, I, I didn't know how many words I could churn out on on um, on Andrew Kashner, but you know, I'm hope hopefully you know go into the weekend or, or maybe by Monday I'll have kind of because I mean you know there's nothing really to report on right now from from you know the the um, pitchers and catchers reporting is just right. a bunch of blurry cell phone pictures. You know, this guy looks great. He said he's having the best off season of his life, and right. you know this guy did this. So it's like you know maybe I'll, maybe I'll wait to. to to see if, if any news, if anything comes out, you know, and then, right. and then I'll have something up. Get, but get but your... yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be I'll be blogging throughout the year and, you know, trying to come up with some new I don't know ideas on how to get people interacting and, and stuff like that. So yeah, Orioles Twitter has been great in the past seasons, and people should definitely be following you at Barstool RDT. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, uh... you, you guys aren't a bad follow yourself either. <laughs> no, I. I... I try the show. The show. Well, I also assume know. that if they're listening to the show, that they follow you. I assume so, but not many people follow the show Twitter, and that's probably because I suck at doing the show Twitter, and Matt and Bert don't even try to do the show Twitter. So, Mm-mm-mm. all Gotta right, get them up on it. All right, so I'm marking you down as a positive for Kashner. I'm interested to see yeah, yeah. Uh, who's positive, who's negative, kind of as I take a poll of uh, Orioles Nation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it'll definitely be interesting to see how, you know, like you said, how all the, how all the bloggers and you know what what we think of it. And I, I feel like it's going to be hard for anyone to to be negative on this. Right, and it, exactly. If you're negative, it's probably because you see the bigger issues than just pitching. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. If you wanted to, you could find something to, to be negative about. But, um, yeah, mark me down for positive. All right, let's keep on going with Alex Woodward from the Other Guys podcast. Alex, uh, how are you doing tonight? The Orioles finally did Kashner. They finally signed something. It happens to be Kashner. Uh, I'm going around taking people's polls, trying to f- figure out what here in Birdland we think of this. What's your first thought, immediate thoughts on the Kashner move? Uh, my immediate thought was finally they did something. 
Uh, and then the follow-up thought was, nah, I'm not excited about Kashner. Uh, I kind of expected him to get signed by the Orioles. He seems like a Duquette kind of guy. Uh, waning years of his of his career. Uh, Duquette, you know, he's coming off, a, a, I guess you could say, a bounce-back year. And Duquette loves to find those cheap guys and two years, $16 million. That's, that's pretty cheap, in my opinion. Uh, he, he can make three years in 41 if he hits all the incentives, but I don't think he's going to hit those incentives. Uh, it, it's another body. You know, they need somebody besides Gossman and Bundy, and he's probably better than anybody else they have down in Sarasota right now. Uh, there's still going to be competition. I, I'm expecting them to probably sign Jason Vargas and Tillman to uh, fill out that rotation. Vargas, he's a lefty. You know, Duquette, they just need to have a lefty in, in the rotation. Regardless if they're good or not, they need a lefty. And I, I think it's, you know, we're just waiting until they sign Tillman. He's right up the road. Yeah, I've got the same thoughts. I, I even I was telling uh, other guys, I, I guess I had a dream because I assumed yesterday that Tillman was an Oriole and that they signed him the day before until I realized about 7, 8 o'clock in the evening when I couldn't find anything about Tillman on my timeline that I somehow dreamt about Twitter and Orioles Twitter finally doing something, that that's what they've done to me by not doing anything. That, that tells you about the state of Orioles fans, that they're having dreams about signing Chris Tillman, know, exactly. the guy that had an ERA over five. Exactly. It, it, <laughs> it couldn't be like, give me joy of we've got Alex Cobb or, we, or uh, anyone just out of the Orioles range. It had to be Tillman. Um so all right, so I'm interested in, in that you're going coming at this. You're kind of negative and down on this move. I I have a hard time being negative because it seems like a really good deal for a pitcher who's an actual real pitcher in the rotation. It's a, a seems like a better deal than they did, made with Gallardo, a better deal than Jimenez. Um, mm-hmm. So I've, I'm having a hard time being negative about this. Yes, the strikeouts have gone down. He's a contact hitter, which gives you hesitation in Baltimore except that he played in Texas, which is a very similar park, and he only gave up 13 yeah. home runs last year. That's not bad. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm negative on it. I'm just kind of negative on the whole Orioles offseason in general. It, like I said, I, I think the move makes sense. Like you said, it's cheap, and uh, he's a veteran, so you know what you get there. I just think it's, uh, you know, it's a little foolish to wait this long just to sign a guy like that, uh, especially with all the other teams you know, gearing up for next year with all the big name guys hitting free agency, you would think a you know a mid market team like the Orioles. I mean, even though they're top ten in spending, they still seem like a mid market team. You would think they would go harder and more aggressive at these guys this year mm-hmm. and spend the money this year because we all know they're not going to spend the money next year. Right, and exactly, and that's that's the thing is I it's this move on its own. All right, a positive. This move as the only thing that they've done this off season. That's a negative. This, when you're looking at the AL East, they've got bigger issues even than pitching, which for years it's been pitching's been the problem. You're looking at this season, and all right, there might be some bigger issues. I don't trust Beckham at third base. Nope. Everyone else has improved, and Cashner's not doing things. So I get the negative attitude about the season, offseason as a whole, and yeah, if this is all they do. But um, do you think this opens up the floodgates, or do you think they sign Tillman and that's it? Uh, yeah, I mean, floodgates is a, is a pretty big word because I don't right. think they're going to sign three or four or five guys. I True. think Tillman and Vargas are, are, the, are the ones they fill out with. Uh, Vargas is probably the less likely of the two. I think it's basically a done deal that Tillman's going to be in Baltimore. Uh, if they sign Vargas, that's your five, and then you could have Castro as your option for the sixth. 
If not, then we're looking at, you know, Castro and Noah, uh, that guy Nestor Cortez that everybody's been hyping up. Right. Uh, I'm not excited about the pitching this year. Uh, I'm hoping that the offense can pick up the slack from last year because situational hitting was, was terrible last year. There were so many instances with runners on second and third, and you got two guys, you know, Trumbo and Davis, for example, striking out back, back to back. I mean, you can't, you can't do that. If your pitcher, if your pitchers are giving up five earned runs in the first three innings, you, you got to manufacture runs. Right, right. All right. So you're, so you're now. So see, I wrote on my paper negative, but you're saying positive for this move, negative for the off season, for the in, entire off yeah. season. The fact that we're yeah, excited I, I, I'm about okay with the move. <laughs> right. Yeah, you got it. All right, got it. All right, Alex. Uh, I want. You've, your podcast is fairly new, so I want to make sure that our listeners are out there and supporting you, and that they go check out the other guys. What was on your? What? Tell me about your podcast and uh, your most recent episode. Yeah, sure. Uh, we got six episodes uh, recorded right now. We're on SoundCloud. It's uh, the Other Guys podcast on SoundCloud. It's me and Tim Barbalese. Uh We call it the Other Guys. It's kind of a play off the movie, the Other Guys, with, with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, very, very mediocre. Uh, we are the movie. Other Guys. Yeah, yeah, it's a hilarious movie. Uh, we, you know, we reference it quite often on the show. <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, we call ourselves the Other Guys because we both work for the fan in Baltimore, and we never really get to talk on air as much as we want to. So right. you know, if they ever need somebody to fill in, we're the Other Guys that can fill in. Uh, so basically, we started the podcast as you know mainly as a resume builder. It's fun. Uh, we do weekly segments uh, called Desk Pops which is obviously a reference to the movie, The Other Guys. Um, that's, you know, used to, you know, bring some humor to the show, show some personality. It's a real quick, uh, funny segment, and obviously we talk Baltimore sports, Orioles, Ravens, Terps. Was, a- a- anything Maryland sports, we're on it. Got you. Was the phone screeners or the producers already taken? You had to go with the other guys? <laughs> it doesn't have as, as good of a ring, and we can't okay. – uh, we, 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 there's no movie with the the producers. Well, I guess there is, there is. play the producers. It's a little different, but the other guys is way better. Yeah, the other guys I, is better. Yes, I don't think you. I don't think it would be as fun of a show if you were quoting the producers. Yeah. Also, I think I'd have a lawsuit in my hands. Ah, uh, maybe. <laughs> so. I don't. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes, and uh, definitely everyone should go check out your podcast. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate it, Josh. Thanks for having me on. Next up, we've got Scott Magnus. Scott is the host of the Bird's Eye View podcast. I think it's the only Orioles podcast that's been going longer than Section 336. And Scott, I don't think we've ever talked. Have we done a show or anything together like this? Um, Maybe when we did like the Birdland Bash, but that was kind of a, a joint venture with a multitude of podcasts. So uh, yeah. I, don't think we, I don't think I've actually been a formal guest on Section 336. No, I don't. Exactly. I don't think we've ever like conversed on microphones. We've we've met many times in person, but we've never recorded our conversations. Yeah. So let's like again. The motto for Bird's Eye View is all about um, a lack of insight and baseless opinion. And in fact, Bert Rohde is basically that lack of insight and baseless opinion on Section three three six. We do not need to bring anything additional to the Section three three six podcast. All right. I will just leave that be for Bert. I don't need to respond to that one. Um. So all right, you guys. You guys do the smart thing where you you've limited your podcast this off season because there's been nothing to talk about, which is the smart thing because there really has been nothing to talk about until today. Uh, of course, you already recorded this week. We already recorded this week. The Orioles finally make this move. They signed Kashner for two years, sixteen million. What do you think of this uh, now? A few hours in. 
Uh, a, a few hours in, I'm looking at the the deal in terms of being a two year with the potential for a third year, and I, I look at it and I think to myself, this is pretty much the cheapest you can get um, any pitcher right now in, to pitch in the American League. I mean, you look at Kashner, and, and at best he might be um, a fourth or fifth starter, more likely a fifth starter. Um, and again, we've talked about this previous years when like Scott Feldman got signed for three years for thirty million dollars. You know, if you're going to pay a pitcher to come and pitch in the American League. The bare minimum is going to be in that ballpark of six to ten million dollars. So, I think you know, it, it, it's great that the Orioles went out and got a pitcher and don't have to rely on a Rule Five uh, draft pick. Um, but at the same point, uh, I don't think this moves the needle at all in terms of um, potentially improving the Orioles' uh, playoff odds whatsoever. Right, and that's what I see as it too. The the positive is it's a really good deal for a pitcher that's actually going to be in your rotation and a guy that is better than what you had last year. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at what the Orioles did last year, and I'm going to look at the the, the trifecta of Wade Miley, Abaldo Jimenez, and Chris Tillman, and I guess we'll throw an asterisk on there for Jeremy Hellickson. And you've got an absolutely abysmal numbers across the board for Miley, Hellickson, Jimenez, and Tillman. But, I mean, I tell you what, I mean, you look at the peripheral numbers for those pitchers, and, uh, you know, and you look at it compared to um, an Andrew Kashner and, you know, I, I look at Wade Miley's numbers and, you know, the walk rate was terrible last year at 5.32 uh, walks per nine. But I, I tell you what, I mean, there's a lot of things to be concerned about from Andrew Kashner as well. Um, I, I know Wade Miley just signed a minor league deal with the Milwaukee Brewers. I, I'm not so much sure that Andrew Kashner is going to be that much better than a Wade Miley this upcoming year. <laughs> All right. Then, then that's good because I want to hear this negative perspective. Tell me what your concerns are and fears are with Kashner. Sure. So there, there's a few obvious ones if you look at his peripherals. Um, number one, you've got the fastball velocity dropping at this time. Um, we saw that previously before when the Orioles went out and signed Giovanni Garrido. Uh, we also saw that last year with Chris Tillman all of a sudden starting to lose velocity, namely due to an injury. Um, it looks like uh, Kashner is probably losing velocity more so in the aspect of him just getting up there in age, which is why... Uh, last year, he switched to more of a sinker ball uh, usage as opposed to a four-seam fastball. Um, similar to that aspect in terms of the fastball velocity lost, um, significant reduction in K percentage. It's all the way down to 11%, um, whereas in previous years, he was closer to 20%. And the swinging strike percentage, um, which is a big aspect for the whiff, is what we like to call it, um, has been decreasing um, ever since 2015. So there's a lot of um, peripherals in terms of um, not putting the ball into play that are not playing well into Andrew Kashner's, um, you know, avenue. Um, I, I guess if we're okay with putting the ball into play, um, then maybe it's not so much of a concern. But um, in the American League East, I certainly would be looking for more of an individual that could get a higher swinging strike percentage and a higher K rate rather than putting the ball into play. Right. And those negatives you listed are why his price isn't that bad and why two years, 16 million, the Orioles were able to get him for. He only gave up 13 home runs in Texas, which is a similar stadium. Uh, Of course, he didn't have the Yankees coming into town every other weekend. Are you concerned that the long ball is going to be launched more or do you just not trust our defense that way we stand right now? I mean, you look at Casher's number in terms of home runs per fly ball percentage, which is a pretty standardized stat across the league. And on average for Major League Baseball, it's right around 10%. And Cashner posted an 8.6 in 2017. In the previous year, in 2016, he posted a 14.5. And in the previous year before that, it was 11.5. 
one would think that um, last year was an aberration. I mean, you think about even some of the earlier years that he was playing. He was playing at Petco with the Padres. So moving into Camden Yards, even though he's a ground ball pitcher and also playing in Yankee Stadium and in Boston this season, I have a tendency to believe that that home run rate is going to um, skyrocket, as it were. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, well, Scott, thanks for bringing the negative. And thanks for now scaring me that that Cashner is not going to be better than what we had last year. And uh, but clearly the big thing is that in a even in a outside of the bubble of this one move, this can't be the only thing the Orioles do this offseason. There's way bigger issues than who your fourth or fifth starter is. One would hope this is not the only thing the Orioles are going to do. But if it is, um, yeah, it's going to be um, it's going to be a sad, sad season coming up. But again, it, it, the only positive we take out of this is that we're not going to see a pitcher such as Nestor Cortez and or Jose Mesa in the starting rotation. Um, it's a positive in that regard. Um, look, I mean, the worst case scenario is Andrew Kashner comes in and posts similar Wade Miley-esque numbers, um, which can be infuriating at some times. But Wade Miley did have some decent games through the season last year. Um, it's just not what you want to see um, every five days is the best way to describe it. All right, Scott. I'm I'm glad that that you came in because you came in with a different view than the other guys I've talked to today, and that, and that's good. We can get a nice balanced perspective. Uh, I'm sure that all our listeners are already listening to Bird's Eye View. If they're not, they should be. But give a little plug for Bird's Eye View and get people fired up for uh, listening to another season of Bird's Eye View. So uh, yeah, so Bird's Eye View is basically a weekly podcast. You can check it out at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com or on Twitter at birdseyeviewbl. And basically what it all is is a uh, makeshift uh, podcast where we basically make up songs and do parodies um, and basically try to institute a little statistical baseball. We basically are a bad version of Oriole Spastics, um, which is a defunct podcast that we all love and love to remember. Yeah, kind of. I think I think it's a little late to still be comparing yourself to Oriole Spastics. They've been gone for a few years. There is always uh, money in the banana stand. All right, fine. You you compare to those. I'll compare you more to the Baltimore Ons, who are also defunct. Yes. Well, John, we have many issues with uh, Allen and Sam for uh, defuncting and leaving us to be the elderly statesmen of the Orioles podcast uh, realm. All right, Scott. Well, thanks for uh, joining me, and maybe we'll talk this season as well. That sounds like a plan. You guys have a good rest of the week, and uh, let's go O's. All right. All right, it is time now for Derek Arnold of Utah Street Report. Derek, it's been a really quiet offseason. You've had to keep this Orioles uh, website going. You've had to keep articles posting about the Orioles doing nothing all offseason. They finally do something. Uh, where do you stand with the Andrew Kashner signing? Hey, Josh. So uh, I, um, I like the signing from the uh, perspective of it's uh, it's nice to see that the Orioles front office isn't in complete and utter denial about their pitching situation. Like they've sort of led us to believe all winter. Um, and they realized that, yeah, they should probably go sign someone. It was nice to see them finally do that. Uh, I like it from the perspective of maybe a guy like Alec, uh, Alec will have a little bit sh- uh, shorter rope as far as having a chance to, crack the starting rotation this spring. Right. Um, as, as far as Andrew Kastner, the pitcher himself, um, pretty, pretty lukewarm on it. I like it in that he's a legit major league pitcher. Um, I'm sure some of your other guests, uh, 
either Will or Ari did point out that he reminds them a lot of a uh, Giovanni Gallardo 2.0. Um, the right. guy where well, let's, he, he had a nice let's year and the O final. Let's get yeah. into that because I'm seeing a lot of Gallardo comparisons, a lot of the Jimenez comparisons, and I don't get it. I don't think these. I don't like these comparisons. I think the uh, the numbers are different. I think this <laughs> I is like a better. Either. This is a better pitcher than those guys. The numbers are different. Uh, so you're comparing this to Gallardo. Why? Why are you comparing it to that? So. I haven't looked into it enough personally, but I'm telling you what smarter people than I have said. And what it looks like they're, they're looking at is um, his velocity has dropped the last couple of years, and that was um, sort of what a lot of people said about Gallardo at the time. Um, last year, his ERA was very good. It was 3.4, but his peripherals were not good. Um, the old BABIP was 266, which is well below league, league average, well, well below his um, – his career average of 291, his strikeouts per nine were way down to 4.6. Again, way down from his career average right. of seven. And so those are the kind of things that, you know, get people um, a little bit, a little bit of trepidation about how, he, how he's going to back up that very good uh, 2017 season he had in Texas. Yeah, he's definitely a, uh, he's a different type of pitcher this season where, or this past year where he's changed from a strikeout pitcher to a contact pitcher which scares everyone in Baltimore knowing that we're a home run park but Texas is a home run park too and he only gave up 13 now he didn't have the Yankees and uh everyone coming into town all the time like we've got here but hopefully that can hopefully the ground ball ratio helps in our favor yeah I mean I don't know I <laughs> there's no sense in being really negative about it you know we've all been saying we need to sign a pitcher all off season. We knew that when they finally did sign someone, it would be Andrew Kashner or similar. So, I, you know, I'm not way, way down on it. Um, you know, the optimist in me will say, all right, if his Babbitt comes up a little bit, that'll be okay as long as he can get that strikeouts per nine up a little bit too. You know, if they both regress, then we're somewhere in the middle, and that's not bad for, to, you know, right. compared to – the other options that the Orioles do not have. And that's the thing. That's what I keep saying every time I'm talking to someone about this, and our listeners are going to hate me for it because my argument's always the same. Is I look and this is a decent move, but the Orioles have way bigger issues that that it's hard to be positive about the offseason if this is your only move. Yeah, and I agree with that. In a vacuum, you know, Andrew Kastner's fine. I think if... Um, he has an ERA under four, um, either this year or, you know, this year and next year for his entire tenure as Norial. I think I'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, but Andrew Kastner himself um, obviously doesn't really change my overall feeling going into the 2018 season. Right, and I have no, yeah, but I also I have no problem with this money. I think it's a good price range for Kastner, uh, and it's not a ton of money to spend on starting pitching when. It seems like all prices have inflated this year. That it's not like Jimenez, where I'm gonna, where it's gonna hurt us for years. Looking back, yeah, and um, I just saw while I was with your call that it looks like the Blue Jays agreed on a one-year, eight-million deal with Jaime Garcia. Right. Um, so you know, same same money, just one year. If the Orioles had assigned him too, I, you know, it, it's a very similar thing. Um, throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. You know, I think right now, looking at it, 
we're all pretty sure Andrew Kastner will stick, and he'll be a typical Orioles back of the rotation start. Yeah, except hopefully better than anything we've had last year. Yeah, that too. You know, um, as far as the Jimenez and um, Giovanni comparisons go, you know, eventually one of these guys is going to work out, right? That's just sort of what you have to keep hoping. You can't just stop signing pitchers because you've had bad luck before. Yeah, but yes, that's the same thing the guy going to Vegas says. Eventually I'm going to win. <laughs> well, I like going to Vegas. Like we always say, right? It's not our money. It's Peter Angelos' money. Right, right. And th- th- Yes, and I'm not going to argue about the money because I see the numbers and I see that he spends a lot of money, especially considering that we are a small market team, whether you want to believe it or not. Yeah, and, you know, it's fine. Two years, $16 million, it's not going to be an, you know, an excuse to not sign someone when he's in year three and four of the deal like we saw with good old Ubaldo and, you know, keep running him out there even though he's definitely going to get beat to death. I think more often than not, you know, when Kastner goes out there, we'll say, all right, we probably need to score four or five runs tonight, but we have a shot. You know, it's not going to be like Mike Wright going out there and, you go into the game saying, well, I hope it's not a blowout by the third inning. Right, right. Uh, any but chance? It looks like we'll get, we'll get to see some of that too, of course, but maybe a little bit less. Now. Yeah, it seems like he averages like five and a half innings or something in his career. So if our bullpen can hold up like they have in previous years, I'm okay with that. It's not the three in and out outings that we saw a few times last year. Exactly. And if all he is is – an innings eater, we've seen over the last couple of years that it really helps to have those because we haven't had those. And like you said, the bullpen's been completely gassed by the end of May. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, Derek, thanks for taking a few minutes and giving us your thoughts. Everyone should go on over to Utah Street Report. You have anything? I guess you've got definitely have some write ups on this Cashner signing over there, right? Where you break it down? Yeah. Just a little quick one, and a little bit later tonight, I, I believe um, Paul Valley's going to have a video talking about it, so that'll be fun. We're going to continue with Friends of Section 336 by getting Justin McGuire from the Baseball by the Book podcast, which again is one that we assume all of our listeners are already subscribing to. If not, you should be checking out this podcast because you learn a lot. Justin, how are you doing today? Uh, you're a fellow Orioles fan, so I'm sure you got excited when with the Cashner signing simply of the fact that the Orioles were doing something. I, I've got the champagne out. I'm celebrating. We're, we're gonna, my wife and I are going out to celebrate now. It's, um, it is, uh, I, I tweeted out when I heard the news. I said, well, he's a live body, and that's something. And that, that's kind of my, my take on it, is that the Orioles needed to, to have some, some um, you know, starting pitchers beyond uh, Gosman and Bundy. And Cashner seemed like for a while, like he maybe was going to be one of the guys. They've, they've been talking about it all off season. In fact, they've been talking about it longer than that. I mean, you probably remember he was the you know he was right, the he was uh, trade talk. subject of trade rumors. Yeah, for for a couple at least for a couple of seasons, I think. So I'm not surprised by it. I mean, it's it's hard to get overly excited by it. But on the other hand, they needed to have some starting pitchers, and he was probably the, he's probably about the level you'd expect them to get. Um, it's you know it sort of seems like a reasonable deal two years what's a two year sixteen million yeah um yeah you know, yeah that's a that seems reasonable it's certainly not going to be a uh, 
a disastrous contract like Ubaldo um, just because it's not as long and it's not as much money. So if he's terrible, you're off the hook after two years. So, you know, it's like you said, it's, it's sort of a typical Orioles move these days. Where it's, it like, is. it's hard to get real excited about it. It's hard to get real mad about it. Right. But the, the price for a guy that actually fits in your rotation seems like a really good deal. Uh, with the way baseball contracts have been going lately, why do you think Kashner seems like your typical Duquette guy? Like, why is it that his name keeps coming up as a fit for the Orioles? Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard to say, but I think one of the main reasons is because the analytics folks don't like him. They don't like his peripherals, you know, which okay. is, seems to be kind of a typical thing for the Orioles. Right, he's you know? a contact um, pitcher. He's a contact pitcher. He's a guy who's... Um, you know, he doesn't, he, he gives up probably too many walks. Um, you know, he's not, he, he's got a lot of flaws and that's, that seems to be a typical, you know, again, a typical kind of signing is a guy who with flaws that hopefully you can, you know, work around those flaws as best you can. And, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because his numbers from last year are actually, you know, quite good. His traditional statistics were good. Um, his ERA looked very, very good. And his, I think his baseball reference war was actually like four something. Um, but the, like I said, the peripherals weren't good. The FIP wasn't particularly good. And I think the, I saw a projection just today that said, you know, is predicting his ERA this year will be, oh, you know, north of five, which obviously is not, <laughs> not ideal. Um, you know, he's a guy, he's a, he's a serviceable major league pitcher who, if things break right, could be okay. If things break right, he could be, you know, if things break wrong, he could be a disaster. And, then, you know, that, that seems like the Duquette model, really. Right, right. It's it's the Duquette gamble. Um, exactly. I do like, yeah. I do kind of, I, I'm kind of convincing myself of at least liking the fact that it's a veteran pitcher who's been in the league a long time, who it's, he started as a strikeout pitcher and has turned into a serviceable contact pitcher. So he's adjusted to stay in the league. And I at least hope that that can rub off on some of these young guys like Gosman and Bundy and eventually Harvey. Yeah, I honestly don't know much about his his makeup. Like, I don't know what his reputation is, if he's the kind of guy who, who will come in and be like a leader to the younger guys or not. But certainly you would hope hope so. Like, that's something they need. Both, both those guys have a lot of talent, but obviously, you know, have not done it on a, you know, a long-term basis and have shown a lot of inconsistency. And to have, you know, an older guy who could kind of teach them, you know, show them ropes would certainly be a good thing. I certainly can't be, can't be bad to have a, a veteran who's been around for a while on the staff with them. Right. I've, I've said it a couple times on this podcast tonight that, uh, that we've gotten to know Bud Norris a little bit through the podcast. And Bud Norris texted me this afternoon and out of the blue and said, I'm, I'm excited for the Cashner deal. That's great for Baltimore. That guy is a bulldog. And to, to hear a guy like Bud Norris call another player a bulldog, that gets me a little excited that, that this guy might be a little spark that this rotation needs. Um, he, of course, has the negative aspects. People say, well, his average is five and a half innings as far as deep into the ballgame. But the way baseball is transitioned, and I don't have a problem with a starting pitcher that can only go five innings. Do you have an issue with that? Well, I mean, certainly as an Orioles fan, it's hard to have an issue with it since that seems to be everybody. Right. <laughs> it's it's better than year. three. I don't, I, I don't, exactly. Yeah. I mean, five would have been, you know, if you averaged five and a half, you know, five and two thirds innings last year on the Orioles, you probably would have been top of the rotation in terms of average innings. Um, 
Yeah, it, it, but it's another reason to, to think that bullpen's going to be, you know, could be used a lot this year. I mean, that that goes without saying. So I think that's that's an area they really need to be concerned about because if he's your third or fourth starter, you know, he's not going to go deep into games most of the time, most likely. And you're going to need you're going to need some guys to get to those those late innings, particularly with Britain out. Right, and that's my fear is that they if they don't make these type of moves, they're going to be pulling from that strength of the bullpen to try to fill in these holes in the rotation. Yeah, exactly. That's what you want to avoid. Um, personally, I'd, I'd love to see Castro stay in the bullpen, but I don't know if that's in the, in the cards or not. I think they may they may have to. Use I, the yeah, I like Castro a lot, so I kind of like the, I like the idea of him in the rotation, but I also love his presence deep in games. So. I, I just like, yeah, exactly. I just want him to continue he, to pitch well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if he pitches well, I guess either role would be fine. But like you said, if it's um, you've got guys who are going to be averaging, you know, four or five innings to start, you're gonna you're gonna need a lot of bullpen arms. All right, so where are you in the Castro deal? Hot, cold, good, bad? If you had to pick a side, is this a positive or a negative? I would say it's a slight positive. Uh, I would put it, you know, just a little bit over the line into positive territory. Right. Um, because, like I said, they need they need starting pitchers. They're not going to get Jake Arrieta. You know, they're not going to get the top uh, level guys. So they're going to have to they're going to have to dip down into the the cashners of the world. And you know that that's about what you expect. Uh, I'd, it, it, at this point, I think they're better with him than they would be without him. Right, and that's the thing is looking at the bubble. It's great. If you look at the offseason as a whole, it's easy It's easy to get negative. Um, all right. I love the Baseball by the Book podcast. Listen to it every week. It's kind of my history lesson of baseball, and I learn a lot by listening to your show. Can you share with my listeners a little bit about your show? Yeah, it's uh, Baseball by the Book. I've been doing it for a little over a year now, um, and the, the premise is simple. Every episode, I interview the author of a baseball book. Um, and, you know, I've, I've had some authors on more than once, but each episode, with the exception of one, is concentrated basically on one book. So I bring them on and they talk about the, the book itself. They talk about the process of writing the book. Um, they talk about the research process. Um, and it's, it's it leads to some really interesting conversations. I do, you know, I do books about a lot of them are baseball history. You know, so some of them go back, you know, to 19th century or Negro League history. And some of them are more contemporary Um really just anything i've done some fiction i've done a graphic novel uh, i've done some books of photographs you know so just anything that that falls under the under the heading of baseball book i'll do and um it's just it's really interesting to talk to the authors because again like i said the stories often go in directions i'm not expecting and uh, and it, it can be very interesting a lot of fun i do it twice a week uh yeah it, it is it's a very fun podcast so Thank you, Justin, for joining me for a little bit to share your thoughts on uh, Kashner. We've got something as Oriole fans to at least be positive about for a few hours. Yeah, it's something. You know, it's like there's right. been so little news this offseason just to have anything to talk about. I mean, I saw his name trending on Twitter today. I said, boy, you know, it's been a slow offseason. Exactly. <laughs> it's slow. That, that's what we're excited for. All right, if you are on the internet and you're looking for Oriole news, one of the sites you probably regularly visit is Camden Depot. So right now I've got Matt from Camden Depot joining us to continue this conversation about Kashner. Matt, how are you doing tonight? The Orioles finally made a move after an offseason where you had to write about nothing. So you are at least excited as a uh, blogger about the Orioles making a move. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Um, it's nice to have, uh, like you said, an actual move to talk about. Um, I don't know if this is what I, I expected as the first major move, because up until this point, they haven't really done anything. But, you know, for a rotation, it only has two spots that you could have, have counted on anything of significance before. You know, at least they have, uh, you know, a starter with some actual experience and someone who's found some success in previous seasons. Right, and that's the that's the nice thing is you the positives are the price tag, and he's a veteran, and he's in the rotation. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna I was just gonna lead you on to are you concerned about the fact that he's a contact pitcher pitcher coming to Camden Yards, or, or are you excited about? the veteran presence in the clubhouse. What's your, how do you lean on this move? Uh, just looking at the move by itself, I wouldn't say it's exciting. I mean, it's hard to look at someone with a, a K per nine under five and, you know, think he's going to perform extremely well, especially when you're pitching in Camden yards and, you know, you think about what he's going to be like facing the Yankees. But, uh, you know, if this is the major move, uh, I think Dan Connolly talked earlier today about it being, you know, him thinking this is their big ticket item. Um, that's, uh, that's not very exciting to hear that. And you probably don't want him to be the number three starter. If he's the number four or, you know, even better, the number five guy, uh, if they have any chance of bringing in a Lynn or a Cobb, then you start to get a little more excited about the rotation. But just by itself, you know, it's fine to have another pitcher, but I wouldn't say it's, it's an exciting move. Right, that, and that's the thing, is in the bubble, it's a positive move. It's better than what they had last year, but it's better not be the only move because if, if it's the only move, then it was a waste of a move anyway. Yeah, I agree, and you, you'd think, you know, considering they have probably before the, the Cashner signing, they had about $40 million or so in payroll compared to what they spent last year. You think they could afford to sign someone like Lynn or Cobb, except for, you know, it might, it might go longer uh, contract-wise. I think they don't want to go past three or four years and they keep using Ubaldo as another uh, reason why they don't want to spend. Um, but if, if they really wanted to, they could definitely send, they could definitely sign someone like a Cobb or a Lynn and okay, you put those guys third or second or, you know, wherever you want to put them, then you start thinking about, okay, you got four guys you can trust. Maybe you can bring back Tillman or whatever you want to do. And Hey, you start to look like, like, you know, look like an actual rotation. Um, I don't know if that moves coming. If it's not, then it's hard to get thrilled about, but you know, it, there's still time if they want to do that, you know, but right. I like they to, might not. I like to assume Tillman's coming back because he doesn't know anything else and he's still fishing at right. in, down in Sarasota. Um, but you're right. It's You add him, and when they've already said that they're probably going to fill one of those slots in-house, in then suddenly Cashner Tillman, who I count as an in-house move anyway, even though the Orioles will say, no, we signed a free agent, and then you say they put in a – either Nestor Cortez or just talk of Castro into this rotation, it doesn't look as good. Right. right. No, I agree. Um, I, I kind of figured that they would try to get a left-hander. Uh, Showalter and I guess Duquette, too, are always talking about having, you know, the value of a left-handed pitcher. Like, uh, But, you know, it can't be Jamie Garcia. He just signed. Right. Uh, I don't know. Do they want to sign someone like Jason Vargas? I don't know. I, 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 I'm a, I agree with you. I think it would be surprising if they don't bring back Tillman. But then you have Tillman as the you know the fourth pitcher. Is that something you really want after last season? Also considering his shoulder issues as well, um, or maybe they have something else up their sleeve. I don't know. I I, I don't think they do. But if they do, I'll, I'll be happy. You know, to have a number three starter to go behind Gossman and Bundy, who get more excited about than 
than uh, than Kashner. Right. Do you think this rotation is is the only thing they need to be worried about? You do you think filling out this rotation helps them in the AL East? It's the number one concern. They do have other holes. Um, they seem to think, or at least they want to give uh, Chance Cisco more competition as the backup job. Uh, they're always talking about the need for a left-handed bat. I don't know if they want to give Austin Hayes the everyday job, uh, you know, going ahead. But it does seem like they have money to spend. It just doesn't seem like they want to, uh, it, you know, give anyone multi-year deals and lock themselves into anything they might regret. Might regret. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure what they're trying to do there. But they do have other holes, but um, their rotation is still the number one concern for me, even after adding Kashner. All right. I'm marking you down as a positive in the bubble of this move <laughs> only, which it seems to be where yeah, everyone's that, at tonight. I, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, just looking at the deal by itself, it's not bad. It's better than the Gallardo deal, who it keeps getting compared to. Right. They it, didn't have to give up a draft pick for him. Uh, he seems to be healthy, I guess. Uh, he's never thrown 200 innings in a season, but that's okay. Um I do I do like the move. I hope there's something else to go with it. Yeah, it's a deal that if someone else made this deal, we would complain that the Orioles didn't make that deal. Um Matt, thanks for spending a few right. minutes. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me. Tell me uh, what's going on with Camden Depot. Uh just trying to post about the Orioles as much as we can. Uh every weekday we try to have a post. Uh it's a little easier when the Orioles actually make a move. Right, you got something uh, to write you about. You could follow now. uh <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, you can follow Camden Depot on Twitter, just at Camden Depot, or you can follow me, uh, Matt Kremnitzer. Uh, sorry about the last name, K-R-E-M-N-I-T-Z-E-R. But uh, we're all on Twitter, and I uh, appreciate you having me on, too. All right. Thank you, Matt. You can uh, note that I didn't try to even uh, attempt your last name, and I've got the same issue <laughs> no, no of, of my Twitter handle and having to spell out the last name. So have a good night. <laughs> Hey, you too. Thank you. All right, we're now going to talk to Andrew Stecka over at Utah Street Report. And you wrote for Masson last year. Are you continuing that this year? Uh, I'm actually not allowed to say All right. right now. All right. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take that the way I think I should take that. And we can just jump straight into the Kashner conversation. So I've seen lots of people try to compare this to Jimenez or Gallardo. But this is a different type of move for the Orioles, right? Yeah, it's totally different. I've seen a lot of people, you know, throwing those comparisons out. The contracts are just, you know, totally different. I mean, I guess it's a little more comparable to the Gallardo deal um, because it's, you know, it's on shorter terms, but it's definitely not anywhere close to the Ubaldo Jimenez deal. I mean, they signed Ubaldo for four years, and, and, and it was four of the longest years any any Orioles fan has experienced. Um, you know, the right. Cashner deal is for far less money and, 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 and half the years. Um and, you know, there's an expectation that he could probably perform a little better than Uvaldo as well. Right, especially when you think of, even though it was only four years ago, baseball contracts have changed, and the money the money has gone up all across the board and everything, that it's really not fair to compare this to Ubaldo, um just because you want to go out there and be negative about the move. M- massively. I mean, when you think about $16 million, it sounds like a lot of money over the course of two years, but... For a starting pitcher in this day and age, that's really nothing. I mean, most of the top-line pitchers are going to be getting, you know, deals with an average annual value of $30, $40 million. We're talking about eight here, $8 million a year for this guy. That's nothing uh, when you compare, you know, the other the other top-line pitchers. And obviously, Cashner, we're not referring to him as a top-line pitcher. That's why he comes so cheap. Right. So this is what starting pitching costs 
in this day and age. And, you know, if the Orioles want to play ball, if you can pardon the pun, they've got to get in the race for some of these guys. I mean, this is just, it's, it, it's what the market says that these guys are worth, even if they aren't, you know, great pitchers. Right. I'm finding, uh, I cannot be negative about this move because it's not a lot of money and it's better than anyone the Orioles had last year in the rotation. Um, what Are you right. positive about this? Do you have a negative angle? What's your general thought of this? I mean, my only negative angle really comes from the aspect of I think this is I think this is the big move for the Orioles, and that's disappointing. That's that would, because, yes. like I just, like I just mentioned, it's 16 million over two years for a guy who you think could maybe be your third or fourth starter. He's not. He's not a top line guy. He's not. Um, and and not that anyone expected the Orioles to go out and sign a top line guy, but he's not Hugh Darvish or Jake Arrieta. He's not even you know Alex Cobb. I mean, he's less than that. So the fact that this is going to more than likely be the Orioles' big move. That's the negative. Um, now, if they can go out and add one or two more pieces, this move looks a lot better. But if this is the only thing the Orioles do to improve the rotation and they use someone else internally along with, with Gosman and Bundy, such as Miguel Castro, um, that's going to be, that's going to make everyone feel a little, you know, a little queasy still, um, you know, we entered this offseason with two starting pitchers. There are now three. You really need five, probably six with, you know, knowing this team and knowing that injuries happen. So in my mind, they're really halfway to what they need to accomplish in terms of acquiring starting pitching. Um, and, you know, it's it's the middle of February. Spring training, you know, play, pitchers and catchers have reported it's, it's, it's here. Um, getting these guys into camp is important. You know, getting them – Getting their arms built up is important. So, I mean, we're, we're pretty late in the ball game, and, and this isn't just the Orioles, obviously. The, the entire baseball offseason market has been extremely slow this, this winter. But the fact that we're already here and the Orioles are really only, you know, three-fifths or, in my opinion, halfway to their goal of, of how many starting, legitimate starting pitchers, major league starting pitchers they need, um, that's that's the negative that I would pull. But in terms of it being Cashner and, and the money, I mean, all that's all that's fine and dandy. Uh, I have no real real qualms with it. Um, it's just that it, there needs to be more behind it. Agreed. I, that would be the negative. And even even if you're bringing Tillman back, and I still consider that an internal move uh, and not right. good enough. That, but I also see that there's bigger holes in this team, even than pitching that. If you if you're not going to sign Lynn or Cobb as long with this, then maybe if you can address third base, so we don't have to see Beckham there, maybe there's things like that that could help out. Um, yeah, I mean, and 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 you bring up Tillman. I mean, Tillman to me is the ultimate question mark. I mean, I don't know coming off such an injury plague season if you can expect him to even be a starting pitcher full-time. I mean, you would you right. obviously want him to be, but I don't know that you can expect that. He would be the type that I would be – he would be like the sixth starting pitcher in my mind uh, in, in a perfect world if they were to bring him back and just as just kind of an insurance policy sure. and kind of whatever you get from him is a plus. You don't really need to expect anything from him because, like I said, he's just – between the injury and, honestly, the way he's pitched – uh, over the last few seasons, you wouldn't be able to expect anything from him. He would be just kind of a, a plus. Anything he, anything positive he did give you would be a bonus. All right. Um, 
promised you we'd keep this brief. So one more question about Kashner. The, he is a uh, contact pitcher. He used to be a strikeout pitcher. He's kind of morphed into this contact pitcher, but he only gave up 13 home runs in Texas, which seems really good. Texas is a similar ballpark to Camden Yards. How do you see him playing out in Baltimore? Yeah, I mean, strikeout numbers have, have dipped, uh, you know, over the last years. He's not a guy that misses bats. Um, you know, he pit, you're right, he pitches the contact. Obviously, if the infield, you know, defense can be what it's been in the past, um, that would be that would be a plus. Not, not saying he's a prominent ground ball pitcher, but um, every little bit helps. I mean, it, look, any time you bring a pitcher into the American League East, into Camden Yards, uh, when you're going to be facing lineups with, you know, Judge and Stanton and, and Mookie Betts and Andrew Benatendi, um, you know, it's going to be dangerous no matter what in, in, in that division, uh, in that ballpark. Any pitcher, you know, you, you, could, you could trot Cy Young out there and, and they're going to have issues. So it's really just a matter of, of holding on for dear life, um, which is kind of what or the Orioles have grown used to over the last few years with their, with their pitching in general. Um, unless you've got a guy who can – keep the ball down like a healthy Zach Britton on a consistent basis. There's not going to be, you know, you're not going to expect great things and you're not going to expect a ton of success. You're just going to kind of hope for the best. Sure. All right. Then I am marking you down as a positive for this move with the hesitation, like we all have that if it's the only move, the overall off season's a negative. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've, yeah, sure. They've got to add in my mind, like I said, (laughs) Everyone wants them to at least add two more pitchers. I want them to add three because, like I said, injuries come up um, and, and you know, expectations for – in my mind, and, and this is the other thing I don't think a lot of people are talking about, um, I'm not even supremely confident they had two really great starting pitching options before this. I can't really rely on Kevin Gosman or Dylan Bundy to be – you know, the right. outstanding pitchers everyone wants them yeah, to be. I mean, those guys, you know, Kevin, no, not at all. I mean, it, you know, Bundy wore down as the season kind of went along last year and, and, and turned in a really poor second half. And, and Kevin Gosman, you know, had an atrocious first half. He bounced back in the second half. So if you can combine those two and get a really good season out of both, that's one thing. But that's not something that I can even expect. So, you know, the fact that they now have three starters in the rotation, it really feels more like they've got one and a half between the three of them. Right. So uh, the more arms that this team can add behind Kashner uh, and the other two incumbents, the more the better. Exactly. All right, Andrew, thank you for uh, sharing your thoughts. You can read your writing over on Utah Street. You writing something up about this, or you've got something coming out on Utah Street soon? We'll, we'll definitely have something uh, weekly here from here on out on Thursdays is when I typically write. So the, the Thursday thoughts column will be up. Um, obviously, they, they kind of blew me up today with, with this signing, but uh, but that happens. And, um, uh, yeah, you guys can definitely catch me catch my writing over there. Yeah, there's nothing worse when the Orioles do nothing forever and then they do it as soon as you put out your, your article or podcast Right after it publishes, of course. Exactly. Yep. All right, Andrew, have a good night. Thank you. All right, anytime, man. All right, next up is Paul uh, Vale, uh, which I'm... Valley. Valley. I was going to say, as soon as I said that, I knew it was wrong. Paul Valley from Utah Street Report and the Payoff Pitch uh, YouTube videos. Paul, how are you doing tonight? The Orioles did something. We've got something to talk about. I'm doing all right. It's definitely nice to have something to talk about for once this all season. (laughs) Exactly. It took 
I don't even know if we can count this as offseason because spring training started. But either way, we finally got something to talk about. The Orioles signed Andrew Kashner. Uh, we're only, uh, I don't know, seven hours since the announcement that, that this is, was going down. What do you think about the Andrew Kashner signing? He's been rumored to be around the Orioles for a long time. Well, I know that Buck likes him, and Buck's liked him for a while, so it's only fitting that he went to win the ball club. Um, i got to be honest, I'm a little bit up in the air about it because I think it's very similar to the signing of Gallardo back in 2016. I mean, you look at the guys, they're pretty eerily similar, right around the age of 30, um, you know, pitched about a 3-4 ERA, 15 home runs. The walk rate went up, the strikeout rate went down, and we all saw what happened with Gallardo. I think that if Kashner is a marquee player that the Orioles are going to sign to the rotation, I'm not necessarily a fan of the move. If he's a complimentary guy and they're going to go out and add another guy like maybe uh, Lance Lynn, then I'm all for it because I think he's a solid number four or five starter for the ball club. Yeah, I, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna mark you down as a negative because you're comparing it to Gallardo, and I I, I don't quite buy that because we did have to give up a, a draft pick for Gallardo. He did cost more money. Uh, Gallardo did, especially when you figure now we're a couple years in and and the price of pitchers only keeps going up. And I'm very happy with the price tag on him. But you're right, outside of the bubble of this one trade, it's not enough for this for the off season. Um, are you? Do you have any concerns about Kashner coming to Camden Yards? It's definitely not a pitcher-friendly park. Um, I mean, I have concerns when any pitcher comes to Camden Yards because it's a bit of a bandbox. Um, he is a ground ball pitcher. Uh, I mean, like I said, he only gave up 15 home runs last year. I think that number could go up pitching in the not just in Camden Yards but the American League East in general. But that's probably the least of my concerns right now. I'm just, you know, even though I think that it might be a negative that he's on the team. He can't be worse than what the Orioles had last year. Right. That's the big thing is that it's an improvement, and now we've got three pitchers in our rotation instead of two. Oh, absolutely. Hopefully there's more to come. I still think they're probably going to end up signing Tillman, too, but we'll see. It's a wait and see at this point. Right, and that's that's what keeps coming up as we are having these conversations tonight is the, is the Tillman because Tillman's still sitting there in Sarasota. I guess we all just assume that Tillman's going to fill in as his fourth as his fourth spot. Um, that's the assumption I've been making all off season. Now, apparently, if you follow Britt Giroli on um, Twitter, he has a number of uh, contract offers in his hand, and not one of them is from the Orioles. So um, we'll see what happens there. I still think ultimately he ends up in Baltimore because I think that's where he wants to be on a one-year pillow contract. Right, right. Yes. In order for him to leave Baltimore, I think one of those contracts has to be long term and I don't think I don't think his arm and the, coming off the injury is a spot where he's gonna get a long term deal from anyone, even a even I'd be even surprised with a two to three year deal from anyone uh where he is. So it seems like Baltimore just makes the most sense for him to end up. Um do you are you you clearly said like this can't be the only move. Do you think the Orioles are gonna make any more moves? Are they gonna you expecting a third baseman, a catcher, another pitcher? What do you think they're going to do? Uh, I think that they're still in the market for maybe a veteran uh, catcher. I don't think that uh, Susan, who they got from the Brewers, is necessarily the last move of the backstop. But um, I think more more likely they're probably going to go after a left-handed hitting corner outfielder. Um, you're looking at John Jay, Jared Dyson, and Carlos Gonzalez still in the market. So I think one of those guys could end up in Baltimore. Um, possibly still go get another another starting pitcher outside of Tillman uh, if the price is right. Otherwise, they're probably just going to have an internal battle for that fifth spot in the rotation. Sure. Um, 
All right. Well, thanks for sharing your thoughts tonight. I know I'm sure you're going to be uh, writing some more up for Utah Street Report, and I bet you've got a video coming out in the next few days about this cash or signing. How can people follow you and keep up with what you're doing? Uh, you can follow me at Paul Valley the Third on Twitter. Uh, you can go to utahstreetreport.com to read my content. Uh, I actually will be having um, a piece I'm going to write about Cashner coming out soon. I am actually about to record a video for the payoff pitch uh, regarding the Cashner signing and a bit of a fan Q&A to kind of uh, see where the Orioles are, how the Orioles are constructing the direction of the team. So that's actually going to be should be up on the website uh, Friday morning. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. It is fun to have something to talk about as, uh, as Oriole fans. So thanks for being a part of this. Everyone go check out the payoff pitch. All right, I'm continuing to go through my list of uh, my Rolodex as if that was a real thing nowadays. And I'm now talking with Brian, the founder and owner of Maryland Sports Blog. Brian, how's your night going? The Orioles finally made a move. Are you excited about this Cashner guy? I wouldn't say excited. I'm more just happy that the Orioles finally got someone. Um, they still got a fourth and fifth spot in the rotation uh, left to fill out. Um, Cashner is never really going to excite anybody. He's going to be kind of like a Wade Miley kind of guy. Who, oh, great, he's got a pitch tonight. Hopefully he doesn't suck. Um, that's kind of going to be what you're going to expect from Andrew Cashner. And that's the answer I'm getting from everyone, except I did get one text message today that just randomly came in, and it said, hey, Josh, I love the Cashner move. He's a bulldog on the mound. And the only reason I'm giving that a little bit of credit is because it came from former... He's a bulldog, but he doesn't really go deep in games. So when, when you think of a bulldog on the mound, you're thinking about that guy that, you know, even... If he gives up five runs in a game, he's still going to, you know, hit that seven, six, eight inning mark. Um, this guy struggles to make it through six innings, so I really don't think you can uh, call him that. That said, uh, he did probably have one of his best seasons as a pro last year, and he was pitching um, for the Texas Rangers. Um, he had a, a 3.4 ERA. ERA for them, and you know the Rangers don't play in a pitcher's friendly ballpark. It's kind of like Camden Yards, in which um, the hitters are known to let it rip there. So that is a little encouraging to me. Um, but like I said, the Orioles still have two spots left, left to fill in that rotation. See, you're going you're going the easy, the easy route. Where if you look at this offseason as a whole, if you look at this team compared to the rest of the AL East. There's easy things to be negative about. But to, by looking at this deal of Cashner alone, it's definitely a guy who we got a real pitcher, a guy, a veteran, that kind of fits into this rotation that pitched well in Texas, that is a ground ball pitcher when we kind of like that. I think Buck's kind of the type of pitcher that, that likes that. That likes He likes to trust his defense. He wants a good defense. There's, uh, there's many positives about this, especially that you got a guy that fits in your rotation for two years, $16 million. Right, that deal is nothing to complain about. Uh, you look back, you know, the Orioles have a, have a right to be cautious when it comes to doing big deals. Um, for for the most part, they've kind of gotten burned when it comes to big money contracts. Um, I keep hearing a lot of comparisons to you bought off of Jimenez, but you got to remember you bought off Jimenez, got four years, $50 million, and the Orioles were kind of left on the chains for that, and he 
Ubaldo pretty much sucked since day one um, with a couple sparkling outings in between that. Um, this two-year deal, you know, it's a low-risk, high-reward situation. They're not really spending that much money. Um, you know, it could be a really good two years or it could be a really bad two years, but most likely it's going to be two mediocre years. You're, remember, this guy's going to be in the middle of your rotation He's, or the back end if the Orioles sign another guy or, you know, make a trade and get get a good another good guy. He's always he's always going to be behind Kevin Gosman and Dylan Bundy, regardless. And and again, that's really not a long term commitment or a lot of money to really invest in him. Yeah, you hope he's behind those guys because you hope those guys are have improved compared to their mediocre last season. Um, I hate the Ubaldo Jimenez comparison because. Ubaldo got so much money at a time that since then, right. that's, that's four or five I years ago, prices have inflated. Like nowadays, that would be at least a $60 million contract. Uh, so Correct. it seems like a really good deal price-wise when uh, you see what else is out there in the market. Right. And, you know, baseball, like you said, it keeps inflating. These deals just keep getting more and more ridiculous and more and more um, large. You're going to see some guys – in the next couple of years, the, that $300 million that, you know, Stanton's getting is going to be, is going to, you know, come a lot more often, right, when, especially right. with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper coming up for free agency. Exactly. Um, yeah. Where was I going? <laughs> Why don't you, do you think the Orioles are going to do anything else this offseason? There's a whole lot of free agents still available. Right now we've got three pitchers. Do you think they do anything else in the next few weeks? I think they do. The Orioles have a reputation for doing deals late into spring training. Um, they, you know, Dan Duquette, for what it's worth, he's had a lot of success waiting and seeing and um, kind of going after the guys that, I mean, we could go on and on about the guys that, um, you know, other teams didn't really think much about and, you know, having success success with them like a Delman Young. Um, you know, the Orioles have have really that if there's anything to point at Dan Duquette and um his tenure with the Orioles is finding guys that really late in spring training that and make it getting a really good deal for them. You know, um he got a really good deal I mean it was late in spring training, but he got a good deal for Mark Trumbo um in regards to the trade for him and He's had that reputation that he's he's going to make make deals into spring training and pull out this roster. Um, he's not going to really go after the big money guys and pay them top dollar. Like I said, all that's inflated, and some of those deals that you see going to some of those free agent pitchers are, has, has just been ridiculous anyway. And really, um, for someone who's been covering baseball for for as long as I have, I, I just think um, the Orioles are actually smarter to wait and see than then overpay for a starting pitcher that's going to pitch 20 games. Right. We all know Dan Duquette has no problem waiting, and, and he'll, he's kind of taught the rest of Major League Baseball to wait through this. Um, Brian, one thing that I really like about Maryland Sports Blog is it seems like you always have new stuff up there. There's multiple articles being posted a day. Uh, why don't you share with our listeners about Maryland Sports Blog? Well, I, I could go on and on about Maryland Sports Blog. I'll just say... Um, 
we just became an official LLC a few weeks ago. Um, it, we've been around for about eight to nine years. It was a old college project of mine that I was either given the choice to write a journal or start a blog while I was uh, covering the Ravens for a local for their flagship station. And, um, you know, it just kept growing from there. I have tons and tons of writers that love to contribute and a really solid um, group of group of people. Um, and our goal is to cover all sports in and around uh, Maryland down to the smallest colleges and hopefully eventually high schools, um, you know, to the best of our capability. Uh, you know, we've always started from the top and gone down with, uh, you know, Ravens, Orioles, and, and the Capitals are really my bread and butter. I consider myself a beat writer, writers for them. Uh, now I'm more just coordinate and make sure everything gets done. And if, if not, I'm always there to pick up the pieces. But, you know, we have everything from the Ravens covered down to, um, you know, Morgan State basketball to, to Navy basketball to the Terps, the Tigers, Capitals. You know, everything, most most of D.C. covered, um, really everything in and around us. We have the Hershey Bears have been covered all season um, to a T. Um, and, yeah, that's where we're going. We start from the top and we're going down to even the smallest of schools. We, we think they deserve coverage um, that they may not get on big, big websites or, um, you know, channels like ESPN who – you know, all they want to talk about are is LeBron James and whatever is happening, but no one really uh, pays attention to the fact that, you know, people care about what's happening nearby them, and that's where we come in. Awesome. All right, Brian, well, thank you for sharing your thoughts on Cashner with us tonight. And now I've got Fred Donahue from the Birdland BS podcast, uh, a fairly young podcast, new to the scene, so you might not be following them yet, so you should go both on Twitter, iTunes, all that stuff, and follow Birdland BS. Fred, how are you doing this evening? The Orioles finally made a move with Kashner. Yeah, man, I'm uh, pretty excited. Uh, good to see some some action and some movement finally going on uh, from the uppers there with the uh, and Orioles. So, yeah, excited. Excited. All right, so that means you're positive about this move, or you're just excited <laughs> the Orioles did anything? Well, it's a little bit of both. I'm excited to see that they still have a pulse. Uh, they're still alive. They're not. Uh, they're not dead. But look, I mean, I, I've been off social media a lot today just because I can't deal with the fans. You, know, you, get, you get so many people clamoring that they want. You know, they want a pitcher. They need to sign somebody, and then they sign somebody, and the first thing that they want to do is rip them apart and complain. This guy's 31 years old. It's a cat-friendly deal, two years, $16 million. It's got some incentives, I know, on the back end. It's better than what we had last year. It's better than the options we have currently. I mean, we had, what, a mid-three ERA last year. And I think uh, what I saw earlier, he had a mid-two ERA against the AL East, uh, which is, you know, the bulk of our games. Right. Um, you know, he's got one of the best ground ball to fly ball ratios in the league, which in a band box like Camden Yards, it's, that's huge. I think he had like the ninth best ground ball to fly ball ratio. Doesn't strike out a whole lot of guys. I mean, he pitches the contact, but it's typically soft contact. Um, I'm not going to tell anybody to go out and buy your World Series tickets now. I mean, there's still uh, 
some work that needs to be done, some couple other rotation spots that need to be won, but uh, I think this is a move in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. We're not, and I don't want to get into that. The Orioles have other issues besides starting pitching that I make would right. make this offseason a failure if this is the only move. But we got to look at it at this bubble of just looking at the Kashner deal. And it seems like a really good price for a pitcher and that the Orioles were able to find a guy who's better than what they had last year. That's an improvement that is a veteran that can maybe add that veteran presence in the uh, clubhouse for our young guys of Bundy and Gaussman and eventually Hunter Harvey next, maybe next year. Those are all positives with this guy. I agree. And, you know, with our history of taking former Texas guys and uh, making them perform pretty well here in Baltimore, we've, we've had a pretty good history of that, uh, especially since Buck's been around. I mean, like I said, I, I, look, we've got a long way to go. I think before this move, we were probably a 70-win ball club as we sit right now, I think, personally. This probably puts us somewhere in the neighborhood of a 74, 75-win team. So it helps us. doesn't get us where we need to be. There's still a couple positions that need to be filled. But uh, like I said, I just think it's going in the right direction. All right. Uh, are you concerned about Kashner being a contact pitcher coming to the AL East and Camden Yards? Well, yeah, I mean, that would be your first concern. But like I said, I think when you look at the stats, he's a, he's a ground ball pitcher. And, you know, we've had some good ground ball pitching here in the past. Scott Erickson's one to come to mind. Didn't strike out a ton of guys, but he got a lot of balls on the ground. Uh, he's, I'm not going to compare him to Scott Erickson and say he is Scott Erickson, but, you know, that same type of – if he can get the sinking action that he's had in his past, and uh, keep that in play here at Camden Yards, I think he'll do all right. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're, you're comparing Scott Erickson, who was a guy who, yeah, was a high three, four ERA on his career, but did keep the ball in the park, and that's kind of what all we're asking for a pitcher is is Bucks big on defense. We want to trust this defense. Right. I've got lots of questions about our defense. But if you're going to get a pitcher, you know the Orioles can't sign the top-of-the-line guys. This seems like this might be a decent fit. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I'm right there with you. All right, Fred. So I'm writing you down as a big positive as I'm taking my up-and-down arrows here. I'm drawing on my paper, which so far have been mostly ups. But I'm writing and putting a nice big Good. arrow next to you. you. You seem positive about this. Tell everyone how they can uh, check out Birdland BS. Uh, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, so so Birdland BS, we have our own website, www.birdlandbs.com. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Google Play. Uh, we're on all the social networkings as well, at Birdland BS on Instagram and on Twitter. And we're also on Facebook, if you just look us up under Birdland BS. Uh, <clears throat> we'd love to, to tap into some of your followers. We're looking to have some of the uh, the same audience, obviously, so... Uh, Anything we can get from that, we appreciate it, guys. I love, I love that you started your plug with "We have our own website." That that, that <laughs> you're, you're a big deal. You got a website, but uh, Fred, I like the work. I, I like the work you guys are doing. You're going to be a part of Birdland Radio, I believe, this year in a few weeks. Uh, once we yes, finish sir, getting we're that, or, for that. all that organized. Yeah, we appreciate that for sure. We appreciate the invite. We're we're both excited about doing that. All right, Fred. Uh, have a good night. Enjoy your dreams of Kashner in Baltimore tonight. All right, Matt, there you go. You heard all the positives. You heard a whole lot of hesitation in the positives where they were then talking about every 
every positive was a positive as if I'm in this little bubble just looking at this one trade and not looking at the offseason as a whole, not looking at the team as a whole, then the then the sixteen million two year for Cashner is a good deal. Besides Scott. Scott was negative, but um that's some baseless Classic opinion. Scott. Yeah, yeah. He also took time to bash Bert Rohde, as you heard. But we'll, I think we can just let Bert defend that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean I'm surprised that uh, I I thought this would some moves seem to be drawn on strict sabermetrician nerd and non-nerd lines. Kashner is very much like a bipolar figure in that, or a polarizing figure, not a bipolar, polarizing figure in that the nerds tend to hate him. And the non-nerds tend to like him okay. Right. He's a, but, he's a, he's a pitch-to-contact pitcher, which the nerds say, well, that's based on then luck. Right. And they throw it sounds like FIP and, and, and contact rate and other things like that. But, but I mean, at the, at the end of the day, we're talking about a guy who's not – I mean, people compare the Ubaldo Jimenez. Uh, and I think the numbers could be actually similar to Ubaldo Jimenez. But the, the the years and the price tag are not similar at all right. to a Baldo Jimenez, so that that comparison does does not work. And so, yeah, I mean, this is I don't I don't want anyone to start jumping up and down excited about this. But the Orioles did something, and and something we didn't do, something we needed to do, something we thought they would do. This is me. This deal, by the way, surprises no one, right? Like no one's surprised by it. No, and that's, also, yeah, go ahead. Well, that's the big thing. Is Cashner's been rumored with the Orioles since like July. So uh, July of 2013. Right. Why yeah. do you think Kashner's a guy that Buck likes, that they kept likes, that they kept looking back at Kashner? That uh, well, wasn't one of the news that Brady Anderson even went and met with Kashner this off season. No, I didn't know that, but that could be true. But what's something that's interesting, right? And even the nerds have to have to admit this: he did not get paid. Um, he did not get paid what his ERA said he should get paid. If you're 21st in baseball in ERA with a 3.40 ERA then you should get paid like one of the top pitchers in baseball. He didn't get paid right. like a top pitcher in baseball. I, he get paid he got paid cuz everyone knows cuz even the Orioles have sabermetricians on there and his peripherals looks like he's an, a mediocre pitcher and so he got paid like a mediocre pitcher. So no one thinks he's going to replicate that 3.40 ERA. If people thought he was going to replicate that ERA, he wouldn't be making, you know, 15 million dollars this year instead of the 5 million he's going to take home this year. So uh, he's getting paid for what they think he's going to do. I expect them to end up somewhere in that mid four ERA range, and honestly, that's going to help our team. <laughs> right. Uh, I thought it was surprising that Kashner was in Sarasota today. Uh, yeah. And it shows that he saw this coming too; that he was prepared for this. Right. And, uh, and they said they were working on it since November. They were working right. on this deal. And that's they were what Cash- the agent since November. Right. Kashner said that it's that this off season's been. Di- hasn't been difficult it's been interesting and it's been a different off season i met with brady back in november and we've had a dialogue ever since he reached out to me and i reached out to him we've communicated well back and forth throughout the whole process so it's it's definitely a sign that this off season's been different and they could have they could have closed this deal out back in november but i think maybe it took all this time to get that price worked out to to really show that this is what you're worth yeah, and the contract's weird with incentives. And it's also yes. weird. I don't know if uh, the contract's weird because they, they got this um, the deferred payment or something again. Yeah, they're deferring uh, $5 million for 20, 2020, 2021, 2022. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the, the, the Orioles 
are, are doing what like every college kid does with their school loans and just pretending that they can defer it down the road and they never have to really pay for right. those college loans. I think this is brilliant. I did a similar thing in college with my credit card where I got free money. I didn't have to pay back the credit card until until years later. Um, but you still do have to pay that credit card money back, I found out. And the Orioles still will have to pay uh, Andrew Kashner. Um, it's interesting, though. You got him $5 million this year. They are still in a mode where they could blow this thing all up after this year, even at the All-Star break, and kind of get rid of these guys easily. And then you want to owe Kashner the majority of his contract if you got rid of him before, you know, this kind of picks up. Right. And so it's just something else interesting yeah. to watch. And I guess they're pushing it back to that's when we'll have to – that's when we'll have the extra money because we'll be rebuilding. Yeah. Or, or... And it, it, well, and because right now we're not going to re-sign anyone, so we right. will have enough money. We could pay him $100 million next year. Or, or is that when Peter Angelo sells the team and then it's someone else's problem? Yeah, that's the topic for next week's show. We can get into that next week. There's been some there's been show. some little articles about written about that lately. It it's you can make a good argument you, that it's kind of is lining up to be that it kind of makes sense. But, yeah. But we'll get into that next yeah, week. Yeah, let's get Bert. That's a great conversation for Bert on Tuesday. Yeah, he'd be all over that. Um you think that this is I believe you you predicted on Tuesday that the Orioles would do something before our next show. I told you they would. I never predicted that all off season. I said this is the time. People right. are moving. Pitchers are reporting. All right, excluding Tillman, because we all just assume Tillman's coming back to Baltimore. I don't think so. You don't I think disagree. so? All right. No, I think if it's going to happen, it would have happened by now, and now it's not going to happen. Really? Yeah. You see Tillman going someplace else for more than one year? Yeah, Twins. The Twins? Yeah. I see. I don't see why anyone would ever offer Tillman after the last year he had coming off the injury and so many struggles. I don't see why anyone would give him a multi-year deal. Oh, even just a one-year deal, though. How come we can't go one-year deal with someone else? Why does it have to be with the Orioles? Because I don't think he'd want to – I think he wants a one-year deal. I think he wants to be in Baltimore, and I think he doesn't want a one-year deal. He wants a multi-year deal, and when he realizes he can only have get a one-year deal, I think he ends up in Baltimore. Okay, I don't know if that's true. But anyway, you can finish your question. The question is, do you think the Orioles are going to do something else, or are we done? Because we all know this is this can't be it if you want to win in the AL East this year. Uh, there's – even outside of the rotation, there's holes in this team. Do you, do you think the Orioles are going to do anything else? I think so. So, but the question is, what? If if it's a Vargas move, then I still think we're we haven't moved the needle that much, right? I I I'll, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the season. If you want to seriously compete in the AL East, give me Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb, and those two names, and we or and we get Vargas and and roll the dice. Well, and we've cleared our payroll enough. That we should be able to afford a Lynn or a Cobb still. Yeah, we did the numbers at the beginning of the offseason. Right. That. Yeah. And so, but I find it more likely that we'll add another veteran like a Vargas type guy, and that would be it. That's, I think, more likely. I hope but, not. I'm starting, I'm starting to knows? think a new thing. I'm starting to think they add either Tillman or Vargas as the, as the fourth guy. And then I'm really wondering if they go after a third baseman like Mike Moustakis or an outfielder like Dyson. Like Jared Dyson, and because if they're going to rely on a guy like Cashner to be their big pitching move, they need better defenders. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think the Jared Dyson move is really nice. I would like to see him go get Jared Dyson. I don't know about third base. I think Tim Beckham. All the reports are you can't believe any of these reports, but people saying he's showing up third early, he's excited to be in third base. He's already out there working on drills at third he base. Is. Of course he um, is. I'd be. I, you could say the same thing about me. I'd go down to Sarasota. I'd get there early. I'd be excited to play third base. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it well. 
Yeah, but he, Tim Beckham's also probably going to be our leadoff hitter. So you're going to take all and move Beckham to the bench to sign a third base. The only way that move, I think, happens is if there is a trade lined up for Manny Machado. Then you move Tim back to short and you kind of bring him to third base. But as long as Manny's here, okay. um, I don't think we're going right. to sign another third base. Anyway, wouldn't that be insane, though? Like if we signed a guy like Moustakis and we don't add any other starting pitcher? It would be crazy. Yeah, it would, that, be, like, it would, that would be crazy. Be dumb. Yeah, I'm really hoping – but. I'm really hoping the money does go to uh, a Lynn or uh, a Cobb. <laughs> and we'll have to see. We'll have to see if their price tag drops. Because you know, if their price tag drops, Dan Duquette loves a bargain more than anyone ever born. And so, if, if it becomes a real bargain price, I think we're we're at play. But if it doesn't, if it's not a bargain price, we're not paying. Of course. And and I'm so tired of talking about Alex Cobb because you know I've been calling Alex Cobb since uh, the Orioles were out of it in mid-September. Yeah, Lance Lynn's been my guy. Alex Cobb's been right. your guy. And, let's and, then, we're gonna, one of these and then we're going to get Jason Vargas. Yeah. All right, well, this was a different type of show. I'm not even putting this up as a 336 mini. I'm making it the next podcast number even without uh, Bert joining oh, us. Oh, does this mean I can take next Monday off? Uh, no, because hopefully the Orioles do something else and we have something to talk about. Or we'll talk about maybe the Orioles should sell the team and how that would work. So, all right, uh, I want to thank everyone from joining us. I listed them at the beginning of the show. I listed them throughout the show. But thank you to everyone for, for joining us. And let's hope we get to do this again and have the same all these people on again to talk about an even better signing that we can get excited for. Yeah, bigger and better things are coming to Baltimore. All right, follow us on Twitter uh, at Section336Show on Instagram at uh, Section336 Show, Facebook, Section336, all that stuff, like always. Give us reviews on iTunes. Make it, tell your friends, we are the voice of the fan. We are, we try to represent the fan. That's what I think we've done today. Matt, plug your Twitter. At Section336. See, you're all uncomfortable. I get to do the close of the show. I get to do the opening of the show. You're just sitting there. Well, yeah, because you got to include me. You, you're gonna you, you're do the whole wrap up. You're not gonna include your co-host here. You're just gonna go do your own thing. I'm getting I'm getting to it. Nice haircut, by the way. Thanks. Thanks. I usually wear a hat. I didn't yeah. wear a hat to show off my hair. You sign with the Orioles? Are we on face? Are we on Facebook right now? We're not. We're not. Oh, I cut my hair for nothing. Yeah. Do you sign with the Orioles or something to get that haircut? Well, it's spring training, so I gotta I had to shave the beard and cut the hair short. Yep. It's spring training. What? A- and if 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 like I was signed tomorrow, I could be in Sarasota in ten hours. I did the math. <laughs> In 10 hours. Yeah. It'll be a race. We'll, we'll race. A little uh, cannonball run down to Sarasota as soon as we they have open if, if the Orioles sign someone else, we should then race that person to Sarasota see who gets there first. What, what signing level? They'd have to sign someone pretty high for me to, for us to try to race down this weekend. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right. If they sign Bryce Harper, we're heading down. Or Jared Dyson. No, 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 no. That, that's way too real to... Just put that yeah. out there. And Jared Dyson's too fast anyway. He would beat us there. He's so fast. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, maybe they can't hire sign Dyson because he'd beat Brady Anderson in a foot rate race. That could that could be kind of ego Brady Brady's ego trip right there. But right. yeah, you can follow, follow me on Twitter at section three six. I tweeted I tweeted out today. I, I sent a tweet out today. Hey, that's so, good. That's, that's good. To follow. That's great. I, I might send one tomorrow too. We'll see how I feel. <laughs> good job. All right. Uh, I'll talk to you on Monday. And, uh, oh, I get to say, go O's. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. It's a primal, wild freedom. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, sound effects guy. (laughs) 
lost her stride at the end there. Get 24-7 roadside assistance with Progressive, America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Roadside assistance subject to policy terms and limits and may require comprehensive coverage. This week at Macy's, find Valentine's Day gifts for all your loves, like fragrance gift sets they'll adore. Plus, take an extra 15% off with your coupon or Macy's card. On top of beautiful jewelry finds, now 35 to 70% off. And 25% off decadent chocolate from Godiva. Macy's Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift card services and fees. More at Macy's.com slash Star Rewards. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply.